Welcome to the show. We hope you have a blast. Thanks for making time for the Dealer Talk Podcast. Another business leader, here's a penny for your thoughts. This ain't a regular conversation, baby. This that Dealer Talk. Yeah, this that Dealer Talk. All right, we're live. Wow, man. Dude, this is amazing. I'm gonna, you know, I, I just want to start off with an apology. This, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am for this episode to have the alpha dog himself here on the show. <laughs> Dude, that's incredible. Thank you so much for making time to, to sit with us. Um, Dude, how are things? Oh, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm, I'm productive. I'm, I'm teaching classes at a college. I mean, it, it couldn't be any better. Couldn't be. Wow. Yeah, man. I mean, when you talk about the projection, 40 plus years in, in the business, all kinds of different verticals since then. Um, man, it's incredible to just have the opportunity to pick your brain here for a little bit is, is, is awesome. So thank you so much for being here. Um, we typically kick things off here with a, with a background. So, I mean, people know who you are, but, you know, tell us what you've been up to. <laughs> where, where, do, where would you like me to start her? I mean, <laughs> right. That's a <laughs> yeah, oh my God. I'm 48 years in the car business. Um, I've been a speaker at uh, 98 state dealer conventions as the opening keynote. I've been a workshop speaker at 14 NADA conventions. I've consulted thousands of dealerships in 49 out of 50 states. Never made it to Alaska, but I've, I've caught, I've caught, I've caught ups. I've talked to customers. I've done F and I. I've worked the sales desk in 49 out of 50 states. Wow! So, so I've, I've seen a lot. I've read is it 15. You've worked with 15,000 dealers, right? That's, that probably, that's probably a little outdated. I've, I've, I may have worked with a more than that yeah at least fifteen thousand. wow okay quite uh, you know um uh quick rapid fire question what's the one commonality that you've seen between most of them at least the oh, one I, thing that you're like okay this is like oh, I keep okay, being... that's a difficult question what's a commonality with thousands of dealerships and you know, hundreds of thousands of employees of dealerships, if you, if you count the conventions and the workshops I've done, the conferences, you know, I've interacted with, I don't know, 100,000 or more car people. Yeah. What, what's a commonality? What, what, what is, I don't know that there's a commonality that you could just say, hey, this is the way they do it, or it's the way they don't do it, or it's the way they think or they don't think. Um, I mean, is it regional? No. Is it by demographic of the, of the, the audience of, of the customers you're selling cars to? I don't know. Yeah, man, it's good. When you think about it, that, at that magnitude, it's got to be, it's got to be pretty, you know, um, there's got to be a lot of mixes, right? Everybody puts their own flavor into it. I think maybe, maybe the, 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 the one thing that I would like to see us, uh, you know, kind of unite on and, and have some common ground on mm -hmm. is, fighting the stigma that's in that's in the that's in the in the business that's one of the things that still in 2022 it's like dude like there has to be something we got to start looking at this thing a little bit different and that's why i like obviously the stuff that you do um, michael cirillo and um you know love michael cirillo, love michael cirillo. Yeah. What brilliant guy brilliant yeah jason harris all these guys that are that are using the platforms that are available to us today to talk about this amazing industry and get people you know kind of 
curious and excited mm -hmm. to to enter it and, and not just be a part of it like you know let's just to make money sort of a deal but to make it a career you know um so hopefully man hopefully we're we're moving in that direction see what the well, next you know, year the, the, the next stigma that you, you talk about the stigma you know that dealers do not do the things that that the people project i mean the the and unfortunately the vendors are keeping that going you got to understand um it is to the benefit of vendors to keep us vilified so they can they can save the customer yeah you know, go back to, car, to uh, carfax, uh, carfax you know their commercials showed a dishonest car salesperson lying to the consumer and at the last minute, the little fox jumps up and rats him out. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so you know, there they are talking about what criminals we are, and you need Carfax to save you. I mean, and that is the message in every one of them. True Car, you can go right down every commercial that any vendor puts out there, and we're paying these people. So you you know you bring up you bring up a, a pretty interesting point. Like I've talked about this on the show, and this is not my premise. Like I think it was Max Zanon that that mentioned this on one of my. You know, Matt, you know Max. Yeah, yeah. The, the mad, the mad Russian. You know, he's he, he's another brilliant guy. Um, you know, I think he's a sleeper cell. So I think he's here to fix U.S. elections. And he's acting like a card. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to I have to ask him about that. <laughs> so he said something that commented and she's like dude like we should have like this 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 global or general marketing fund where all the dealers are kind of pitching in kind of like what the milk industry did back in the day and it's not just it's not about my brand it's not about the the oem or the the manufacturer that i represent but it's about the industry as a whole and just kind of go with this with this massive push um, and I, I kind of think that there's something there, man. Like, I really feel like there, we kind of need a little bit more of, you know, like a, like a different message out there or a different narrative rather, you know what I mean? Well, we'd have to put our, out our own narrative because nobody else is doing that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You look at, you look at Carvana you look at some of the, the disruptors right now. They've got such a great reputation until you read their actual reviews, mm. what their customers are saying about them. I mean, car dealers' reviews are not nearly as bad as some of the disruptors that the public envisions. Right. You know, as as being ethical and upright. Yeah, and I've I've said this on this I've said this on on the show before, but I I think that. I mean, I get it. There's there's a push. I read some statistics yesterday. I think that Google published that said that post or pre-COVID um, online purchases were one percent. Now it's like ten percent. So when you look at it from that aspect, it's like, oh, okay, like the growth is is exponential. But I still feel it's too early to tell. Like, if I bought a, mm -hmm. if I fully transacted with a Carvana or a Vroom, would I be a repeat customer five years from now? I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, is that I, I still feel like that's too it's too soon to kind of uh, you know you tell. know her, her people are not transacting online i mean statistically and uh i don't like statistics i think 96.3 percent of all statistics are made up by the speaker on the spot you know 
I like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't like statistics. I mean, um, <laughs> analytics. I'm not an analytical guy. Analytics. What are the first four letters of the word analytics? <laughs> man, you want to say it here? We're live, man. <laughs> oh, we got it. So you see where you see where I'm coming with all. Right? Yeah, you for know? sure. But let's just say a minimal amount of consumers buy the cars online. They 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 do. Uh, digital retailing is going to be real, and it, it is sure. it is gaining popularity but people are not pulling the trigger they're not buying the cars they're getting right up to the point they're not performing the fni they're not buying the car they're filling out the paperwork they're researching the vehicles and but they still are physically coming to the dealerships that's where all the digital retailers are, are scratching themselves at both ends saying wait a second we thought the people would buy the cars online but it's only a minimal amount you know, and it's not even statistically worth mentioning. Yeah, but do they do it because, and this is what I post to the dealers that I consult with, do they do it because that's that's what they're going to do moving forward or they do it because of the novelty of it? Oh, I can buy it online. Let me go through that process and see. And if that's the case, am I going to do it again in the future? Because I don't know, like I'm, I'm 40. They're not, they're, right? not, they're, they're not doing it, her. They're not doing it. Right. So I'm 40 they're and everybody in my circle that I talk to and I ask the question, would you buy a car online? None of them say yes. No. Zero. So I yeah, don't think you know. think about that a second. And that, that's your and I, I take it you're probably millennial unless you just have right. yeah. youth. So anyway, they're not doing it. We statistically know that the consumers are not buying it now. But if you listen to the vendors, the vendors will tell you, oh, everybody's doing it. Right. One thing you have to remember, figures lie when liars figure. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's a zingerism. That's a zingerism. Yeah. <laughs> you know, very cool. <laughs> never, never trust statistics about a vendor supplied by the vendor mm. or a company the vendor hired. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. I just had this conversation yesterday. I'm not going to name names because that's not what we do here. But this company was like, oh, yeah. And, you know, you got to look at our dashboard. The numbers are incredible. I'm like, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't trust your dashboard. Like I need to look at GA. I need to look at, you know, like I need to look at other things because I don't know. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. What when I do doing. a seminar, you know, and I've done a million conferences, a million seminars and, you know, I'm 75 years old. Everybody can know that. I don't have any problem with, I just turned 75 last week, you know, and I've, I've been Happy 48 birthday, years in the business. I'm, I'm teaching internet to young people. Oh, that's amazing. Think, think about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm teaching. Yeah, I got 150,000 friends and followers on social media, mm. and I'm I'm leveraging that. You know, how you know the the whole thing in the car business. And I'm you ask about a commonality is we need to learn to leverage relationships for mutual benefit. That's a secularism, but still, you know, leverage relationships. You know, the most powerful people on earth are those people that influence the most other people. Yes. Influence is power. Money is measurement. Sure. You know, so how, how many people do I influence? 150,000 people on, on social media, you know, Facebook, YouTube. My my channels are doing well. Um, you, YouTube is, is, off, uh, is off, the, off the hook. Everything is doing well. 
And, and that's the one thing the car business needs to learn is how to communicate with the customers in a, in a customer friendly conversational way that, you know, beyond, but, yeah, go ahead. Jim, do you think that that's a great point, man? Cause I agree. And I was just watching mm -hmm. somebody put some content out there that talked about, Hey, enough with the leads. Let's have the conversation with the customer. But don't you think that some of the things that we have internally at the dealership prevent that from taking place? Like what? Like the steps to the sale, for example, in the world that we live in today. Well, the, the steps to the sale, um, there are some. Or at things. least needs to be adjusted or revamped for the I time. still teach the steps to the sale, but they don't have to be in order. Think about this. You learn in modules. There's got to be some point where we select a vehicle, whether we do it on a keyboard or whether we do it on a telephone. And <clears throat> right now, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the best way to communicate with a consumer, of course, is the, the most responsive is text. But however you communicate with your customer, whatever modality or dimension you're, you're communicating with the customer, you know, how do, how do you do this? How do you have that conversation? How, how do you project personality, hmm. the steps to the sale, you still have to select a vehicle. Sure. That is a step to the sale, whether it's on the keyboard, whether it's, it's, whether it's a, a function, whether it just shows up on your CRM that they've selected a vehicle, it doesn't matter. There's still got to be a meet and greet. You got to meet and greet them somewhere. Sure. <clears throat> but do you have to do all these steps in order? The road to the sale never changed. We just put technology into it. And that's what people don't get. You know, road to the sale is dead. How many times have I heard that? No, it's not. It's not that it's dead. Like, wow. I, I agree with you. You want, because you want control. In order to have control, you want to know what the next, you know, you have to have a, okay, I got to do this. And that, you know, it just keeps you on mm -hmm. it. I get that part. My, 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 it's not even a concern, but my, my, the question that I pose when I ask this is, do you think that it, uh, for some people, it may be like, okay, well, I got to do this and this and this mm -hmm. and this. And then they forget to have a conversation because ultimately that's, that, that's how you're going to sell. Just have a genuine conversation with that consumer, mm -hmm. learn from that consumer, um, you know, listen to what they're saying to you, um, like attentively, and then take that information to give them what they, what, you know, put them in the right, in, in the right opportunity, so to speak. And it, sometimes I feel or I've been in, 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 in trainings and things of that nature where I see people and it's not everybody, but I do see some people that kind of struggle with that. And they they're so concerned about the next thing that they have to move the customer along to that they forget to humanize that interaction. Well, there's a lot of people that do that, but you got to remember everybody in the car business isn't suited to be in the car business. Mm, true that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's a, there's a lot yes. of people that really shouldn't be in our business. I mean, um, then they'd be supersizing fries somewhere. How many times have I interviewed salespersons? You got to remember, I've been 48 years. I've been a manager most of those 48 years. I think from a management viewpoint. Mm, sure. Yeah. I think I think from the dealer general manager viewpoint, actually. And I have grown so many dealerships to the big numbers, but the one thing I, I interview people on the salesperson level, the entry level, I have to remind them, hey, why why did we hire you? Oh, I don't know. Uh, we hired you not because you could fog up a mirror. We 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 hired you. 
<laughs> you know, which a lot of people do today. Yeah, we, yeah. we hired you because we suspected you had a personality. You know, use your personality. What happened to your personality when you talk to these people? You you stopped having a personality. When when I teach the the, the relationship things. You know, when you scientifically break down relationships, I, I taught Dale Carnegie before I got into car. Oh, me too. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a Dale Carnegie coach too. That's awesome, dude. I didn't I know mean, that. I'm talking 1973. Oh, okay. So you, that was, that was when it was yeah, like okay. super I'm talking, dope. Yeah. I'm talking, yeah, because, you know, Dale Carnegie invented scientific sales. Right Dale, on. Dale, Dale, Dale Carnegie was the first human being to quantify sales. You know, if I could, would you was a Dale would Carnegie you, yeah. concept. It's a Dale Carnegie concept. People and people vilify that. But the people that vilify it don't know how to sell. Because if I could, would you? And I don't say it that way anymore. I, I would say, Mr. Customer, let me be sure I understand what you're saying. If I understand what you're saying, you're you're telling me that if, if we will agree to $585 a month, you'll own the car now. And Mr. Customer, there's no other roadblocks other than that 585. I mean, if I can meet that, there's nothing else that's going to stand in our way of doing business. You know, if, if I could do that, we'll do business. If I could do that. And, uh, you know, and that is called isolating the objection where the, customer, where the customer doesn't have another objection. After, and I guarantee you, every salesperson watching this broadcast They've had a situation where the customer says, I'll do it if you do this. And then we did this. And then say, oh, I got one more thing. Oh, wait a minute. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one more yes. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, what, what you want to do is isolate the objection. Mr. Sure. Customer. And that, that, that is the if I could, would you? And the people have vilified that. But the people that vilify that. Don't you think that now that's most, that's even tr truer, if that's even a word? Right? Because... Think about it and from the context of where we are, efficient market, buyer and seller has the same information. Customer goes to, according to some of the studies out there, 1.5 dealers. I don't even know how they come up with that number. But um, so they're there, right? So mm -hmm. all you have to do is remove the objections. And if you do that, you're, you're going to get the deal. Do you think that, that it's more? Got, it's, okay, the four, the four things. If, you, if you're a Carnegie instructor, you're going to know the four things. The four things are um, family occupation, recreation, and motivation. I, I, tell, I tell salespeople and, and I tell managers, you know, you'd be amazed how many managers couldn't sell escorts on the troop train, you know. Anyway, when I'm talking about family, occupation, recreation, motivation, everybody listening to this broadcast, you've got a, an inventory right everybody i sent you my resume did you get it did you get a look at it i did yeah yeah i mean it's, it's four pages long and the resume talks about what i've done right i mean i'm an eagle scout yeah so that's part of that's part of my inventory i i was a pole vaulter in high school that's part of my inventory yeah and um we were carnegie instructors of that was part of my inventory now if I find somebody that has something in my inventory that matches up with their inventory, you got instant 
connection. That's, right there. that's, that's common ground. And people yeah. don't get that. Family. Family is the number one subject you can talk about. Of all the things, of all the conversational subjects you can talk about, and to sell a car, you've got to have a conversation outside of the deal. Absolutely. There's got to be some conversation outside the deal, not involved in the deal. You got a family. I have a family. That's we're going to talk about that. Let's talk about that. You, yeah. you got children. You know, if you got a puppy, we're going to talk puppies. I mean, people don't get that. You know, you're 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 a stamp collector. I'm a stamp collector. If that's true, you're right. a shr you're a Shriner. Huh, I drink. You know, there's got to be <laughs> like that one, man. <laughs> that generally demotivates them. But family <laughs> occupation, recreation, motivation. I can sell a car. I can sell a car in an elevator. <laughs> I believe you. I believe oh, absolutely. <laughs> because I genuinely like people. Mm. And there are some people that don't genuinely like people. You don't need to lie, cheat, sneak, deceive, misrepresent to sell cars. Right. No, it's I, all, I, yeah, conversation. Totally agree with that. All right. So the one thing I wanted to pick your brain on, just because, and I'm sure you've talked about this. I've, I've seen a bunch of posts and stuff, but um, it's been a crazy couple of years, no question. There's some weird stuff happening in the industry. Just big picture, somebody with your experience with, with his finger on the pulse of things. What's your big prediction for 2022? What do you think, like if you were to lay it out, what do you, are you thinking we're going to have a repeat of 2021? I'm already, me personally, gonna, I'm seeing already 20, market 20, 2022 is 2021 all over again. This chip, this chip shortage isn't going to end this year. Our biggest, did you see the, did you, did you happen to catch the live broadcast this morning? We're talking about Intel and... Um, that whole no, no, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, catch okay. it. So cool. uh, I guess they're they're working out a deal with Intel here. Um, the president was on there talking about it, and um, I don't know. Potentially, there could be some stuff there that that could help us with um, in in that department. But well, even so, the raw materials. You know the the. <laughs> The whole world is competing for these raw materials that, that make the chips. I mean, yeah. for the, and then you then we're competing with Apple. We're competing. You know, the car business is computing with every, everybody in the world <laughs> uses uses these chips. I mean, it's, so we'll find out, but um, not not this year. Okay. The, big, the biggest the biggest uh, thing a car dealer needs to do now is to devise ways of acquiring inventory. Well, and and let's talk about that too because yeah. here's here's my take. Let me. I I love to see if you think that I'm on on a good path or if I'm maybe not on no, a good path. You're wrong. What is it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so here's what I, I and I said this on on, on the last episode. I think that right now, dealers between now and, and tax season, that we got to stock up. I know that there's risk in that, but I feel like the the demand supply situation is still there. And while that's there, we still have opportunity to to obviously fill that demand, make grosses and take advantage. And not to sound, um, um, you know, like opportunistic, if, if that's what you say, but um, you know, that's what business is, right? We got to take advantage of, of, of the listen to you. Listen to you. 
I so, want you to, I want you to stop that and don't ever do it again. Uh oh. You're apologizing for profits. Right. There you go. Listen, see? listen to you. Listen yeah. to you. I don't wish that opportunist. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, man, you call me out. You're absolutely yeah. correct. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so do you do you agree? Do you think that we should be buying inventory right now, regardless of of the potential risk in it, or should we just be really, really cautious and just kind of stay at the levels that we're moving? No, we were born doing risk. I mean, my God, waking up is a risk. I mean. <laughs> You know, I watched that movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That was my one of my favorite of all the series. And, you know, Sean Connery was in it. And and Indiana Jones had the chalice. Yeah. And he was standing on the edge of the, of the chasm. And he looked down and he couldn't even see the bottom of the chasm. And, and the voice said, step out and the rock will appear. Said, no, no. <laughs> so finally, he steps a foot out there and all of a sudden the rock appeared and he walked yeah. across. Yeah. You got to step out there. The rock will appear. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to do it. I agree. But man, the conversations are tough right now because a lot of these, a lot of the decision makers are a little bit nervous about spending the money. And I'm like, dude, what are you going to wait till it's summertime? And you're like, do it now. It's like stock up and let's see where things take I us. Did, I didn't become a millionaire being cautious. You know what? You know, For sure. You got to be a decision maker. Mm. And, you know, I, I like people that make quick and accurate decisions. You know, you know, I have I have no patience with a slow thinker. Hmm. When when I, I was man, when I manage managers, and that's a whole other talent, a whole other skill. I am a manager of managers. I I am a sales trainer, but I don't train sales. I train managers, and um, because. Frankly, of all the nationally recognized trainers, I'm, I'm one of the very few two or three out of 100 that actually was a manager. And then I'm one right. two or three out of those people that actually was good at it. Right. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, you know, a lot of these bozos are out there today trying to teach people how to sell cars with their Facebook credentials. You know, right. <laughs> you know, you know I, I was watching some, some hillbilly on YouTube the other day teaching stuff I taught 30 years ago. I mean, get, get, catch up with it. There's an on switch on your computer, pal. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So um, speaking of that, right, because of your experience and in particular, the finance side of things, I wanted to all, kind of get... All, all the world records I set were in finance. I mm -hmm. was a manager. I was a manager. I held every variable up your position except general manager i never was a, a general manager and so but but finance was was where that's that where was, I, I set all the records i was right. the first 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 manager to do a thousand dollars a retail unit that's pretty well documented wow i, I did a thousand dollars a retail unit in 1982 before anybody else had ever done that number that's when i was what, born man yeah when i did that number it blew people away because the average around town was $400 a retail unit. And wow. I, I, I hit the $1,000 per retail unit barrier. Because remember, we only had $13,000 cars and 48 months financing. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally and, different uh, setup. But so, what do you, what, what's your take on, on two? It's kind of a, a, a two sided question. Last year, amazing grosses, right? Like record yeah. setting. 
everybody like heard, heard, stop a second i see on on facebook youtube linkedin i see all these people congratulating each other and giving each other trophies for setting the dealership record right. excuse me pal a monkey with a note in his mouth could have set that record okay yes <laughs> that's that's exactly where i was going yeah. yeah so do you think that that is is that do you think that that's the new the new normal or do you think that we're getting used to that and we're going to get kind of punched in the mouth here with, or do you think that it's truly going to be something that's going to i have always had that attitude you know I was listening to our, our pal Max Zanin the other day, and we got in a, a, a big scowl about this because Max and I go at it. I mean, it, it, we're friends. Right. And he said, there are high-volume dealerships and high-profit dealerships, as if you couldn't have both. Both, yeah, you, sure. You can have high-volume and high-profitability. Sure. Customers don't come in the dealership even – most of them haven't even selected a vehicle. They think they have. Mm -hmm. they, they've selected a vehicle, but they buy something else, which is one of the reasons that online digital retailing is not working because consumers switch themselves every time because they don't know selection. They, they haven't seen the cars. But the problem is you can have high gross, full price is a fair price. And this industry has lost that. The, vision, the vision of that until this year all of a sudden this year hey we can make full price and we can get down payment from the customers down payment has always been the reason profits are low because the sales department sales managers salespersons haven't got the ability to say mr customer i need five thousand eight hundred and thirty three dollars down Rather, how much were you thinking about putting down? Don't ever ask a customer how much down payment they have. Tell them how much they need. Right. And that's a great point. And, and I've heard a lot of people talk about this, but why? It seemed like in our industry, that's kind of like an expectation from the consumer that we're supposed to like whittle down the price. And if we don't do it, then the next dealer down the street's going to do it. But like when you go buy a house, for example, you don't have those types of situations. You don't, you, you no. know what I mean? Like this is the transaction and you're in or you're out sort of a deal. No, people, people negotiate on houses. They certainly do. Well, yeah, but, really? but not to that, not to that level of, you know what I mean? Like the whole situation of, and I've, I've actually. Well, houses, are pretty, houses are pretty unique. Car, cars are not. That's the you know, a used car is extremely unique. I mean, there's only one like it. But a, a, a new car, everybody's got the same equipment. You know, it's, it's, everybody's got the same same merchandise. But do you think that we we create that internally ourselves because we're just we're just oh. driving the price down to get the deal? Sort of like it's like we're selling with price. I don't, you know what I mean? I was watching this 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 show the other day. My wife watching this show on TV. Flea flea market flip, where where they recondition things and sell it at the flea market. And I, I, I wasn't watching it, but I, I'm in the room and I, I heard. And the woman selling whatever she was selling at the flea market, she, uh, the people said, well, how much is this? And, and the woman said, well, it's $585, but we're negotiable. <laughs> right away. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, oh, we're negotiable. And, and believe me, people sell cars that way. Yeah, for you, sure. 
they're not they're talking about the deal now more than ever businesses need more efficient sales that's why thousands of dealerships trust four eyes to help with things like automated inventory email updates and ensuring all of your leads get into the crm to try four eyes for free visit foureyes.io slash dealer talk that's foureyes.io slash dealer talk I see people out there talking about the deal all the time. The deal is the first subject of conversation. What's your budget? What a dumbass question that is. What's your what, what's your budget? Why would I ever ask? How much do you want to spend? Not quite it. What's your budget? If they ever hung the person that made that that I'd kick the chair out myself. Yeah, you know, excuse me. What what's your budget? I mean, think about it. How much do you want to pay? So. We're starting at the bottom and trying, right? You, yeah, not, and trying not, to trying to bring it up. Now all of a sudden, we're bumping the customer. Most dealers just spend their entire deal bumping people. That's so true. Wow. Why man. are you Why are you bumping people? Because you started out low. Low. Yeah. <laughs> That's you, so true. Yeah, you're, you're huh. bumping people. You wouldn't be bumping people if you gave them your figure first. So, so do you think that we that this has been a, a, a learned lesson, or do you think that we're going to uh, soon enough start competing oh, with each other once we get to those levels? You know, the reason deals are blown, the reason people are are have, have weaknesses during the deal, the reason all of this happens is one 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 thing: Zigglerism, fear of the money. The reason salespeople are afraid of the money. We're afraid to, to even look at that customer. I need $5,000. Or why is that? And I, I want you to think about what I'm about to say. The reason people are afraid of the money is the majority of car salespeople, the majority, are unable financially to buy the cars they're selling. They couldn't buy the car they're selling. And the, they couldn't envision. See what I'm saying? Most car salespeople can't buy that $70,000 car they're selling. And so when they're selling a $70,000 car, the money scares them to death. It's them. Yeah, too. That, wow. That's so, so I, I used to be a service manager and I used to tell my, my, my ASMs that I was like, dude, do not make that decision for the customer that it's too much money or not. You present the information just as it's there. Because they were afraid to, when they got an estimate that was four thousand or five thousand dollars, they they freak out. They're afraid of the money because they themselves couldn't pay it. Wow, that's so true. I just gave you a revelation, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, think about it. I teach that. Huh. And I I bought my son Zachary when he when he turned sixteen. I bought him a Mustang GT. A brand, I called the president of Ford who at the time was Jim O'Connor, 2005. My son turned 16. I gave him a, a 325 horsepower Mustang. You know. Anyway, 16 year old. <laughs> yeah, uh, within two months he wrapped it around a tree, but that's another story. But, but the, story, the story goes, I called Jim O'Connor. I said, look, I, I need a Mustang GT. He said, well, we just changed the body style. He said, it's it's really a hard to get vehicle. I said, great. He said, I'll, I'll ship you one. Where would you like me to, to ship it? I told him 
I was consulting the Ford Minority Dealers Program at the time, and I said, I want you to ship it to one of my minority dealers, and I gave him the dealer's name. So the car was, was ordered, and all of a sudden, I get a call from the finance manager. And the finance manager said, Mr. Ziegler? I said, yeah. He said, um, listen, uh, we, we got your Mustang coming in this week. How do you intend to pay for it? I said, well, I'll, I'll finance with you. I'll, I'll pay cash. Oh, what do you have in mind? He said, well, I've got some good rates. I said, if your rate's good, I, I'll, I'll go with it. And he said, okay, so we, we did all of that. And I, then he said, um, I said, oh, by the way, I want a, a six-year, 100,000-mile uh, Ford ESP service contract. He said, well, how, how many miles do you drive? I said, well, what difference? I want a six-year, 100,000-mile premium ESP, the best, the best service contract you have. Well, Mr. Ziegler, I could probably save you some money. How much? How many miles do you drive? I said, listen, you're qualifying me. I just told you put the service contract on. What I want. I mean, you know, he said, well, Mr. Ziegler, that, that would be like $1,500. He said, I could save you money. The dealer told us not to make more than $500 on you. I said, son, $1,500, is that what it cost? He said, yeah. I said, I'm a millionaire. That's not even a blackjack chip to me. <laughs> you know, I said, put the, put the damn service contract on. Oh, stop, stop trying to talk me out of the gross. That's <laughs> insane, man. Wow. But it's true, yeah. though. We do that. That's, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It really does when you break it down. Like, that's that's a very that's very insightful. Uh, so, okay, so where 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 do you where would you say we are right now are we transitioning are we going back are we like do you think that it's going we're going back to the to the low profit days i think the manufacturers are going to limit inventory even when the chip shortage ends i think the manufacturers new normal i think the manufacturers have just discovered that they can make more money and have a greater uh turnover of inventory by limiting by limiting inventory. Matter of fact, in, in automotive news last week, Honda said they are going to uh, li- uh, cut back inventory as much as one third, I believe he said, uh, when the chip shortage ends. Ends, yeah. So we're not going to have as many cars as we used to have. They're going to become a little more scarce. Customers are going to get used to paying the MSRP. But on the other hand, the, the uh, Carlisi, the, the president of General Motors, just said he's going to really step on dealers and brokers that are selling these cars for the extravagant markups. Right. I mean, that's going to have to be, there's going to have to be some sort of control there for sure. Um, well, some of you people out there, listen to me. Leasing. You got to get back into leasing because you know when that lease ends. The customer's not going to be upside down in three years. You're not going to burn the customer. They never come back to see you. You're selling cars for 10,000 over sticker fine, mm-hmm. but that's going to end. Sure. And when the manufacturers start flooding the market with inventory again, which they're going to do. And all of a sudden they got rebates and you sold them that car that, that they're, they're effectively $25,000 upside down. You didn't perform a sale. You performed a wedding, and you know, and these people can't get out of the, you know, 
That's so true. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that. You're going to get into leasing. Leasing is going to be the salvation. If you, if, if you do it, you can mark up that lease tremendously. So what, what, what are your thoughts on used car leasing? <clears throat> BS? Well, if, if I had a, a lender that would do it, I'm, I'm all up for it. that. That's amazing. Um, but that, that comes and goes. Yeah. And you got to get into there's several things dealers need to do. I don't know how much, how many dealer principals or general managers are watching this right now, but you need to start hanging on to some of these cars you're wholesaling. Some of the cars you're wholesaling, higher mileage, go back in year. You need to have a lender that will finance high mileage. You have to have a lender that will finance back seven years. Mm -hmm. You know, because some of these cars, a car is sold four times in its lifetime. Yeah. Every every car is sold four times, sold and resold. So True. the last person that sold it made more money than the first two people that sold it put together. Yep. I mean that buy here, pay here lot on the corner made more money than anybody on that car. So some of the cars that your wholesalers are buying are high profit vehicles. Sure. We build them better, they last longer. Nobody builds a bad car anymore. Yeah, and the mean year seems to be getting pushed. So, yeah, for sure. So, um, that's awesome, man. So, kind of shifting gears here really quick. I wanted to definitely pick your brain on this one. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I want to talk to you about marketing, man. With all your expertise and all your, you know, your years of experience, what do you think we should be doing on the marketing side? Do you think that we should still be 100 or that we should have a mix between traditional and digital, which is what I feel that we should we should be doing, especially now. Or do you, are you like all on the digital side and forget the traditional? Like, where's your what are what's your thoughts, oh, especially now during this time? There's a lot of people that that have shifted a hundred percent to digital. Me, you know, what mediums are out there? You've got you got radio, you got newspaper, you got television, you've got um, social media, you've got uh, traditional pay-per-click um you've got mass email you got a okay but, uh, newspaper newspaper is extremely effective if you're training a puppy true <laughs> did you get that yeah <laughs> or it took or, me a minute but yeah, yeah. yeah newspaper is extremely effective maybe maybe you're training a puppy you got a parakeet but but other than that <laughs> news, newspaper is, is, is a dead entity. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, radio is only effective if you're doing live on-site broadcasts. If you're having a sale, and, and that's one thing, dealers are pitiful. You guys are terrible women, women and guys. You're terrible. I mean, you know, yeah, big sale. And you get to the dealership and there's nothing that looks like a big sale. Mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no desktop... Uh, things there's no banners there's, there's I, no I, there's no umph right I, hey man I, I i still put gorillas on the roof and the wavy arm guy yeah you know i, I want to look like a sale is happening here yeah no i agree and dress it up and display i mean my my god the, the front the front line of your dealership is a quarter of a mile of billboard and nobody displays their merchandise but television is still extremely effective extremely yes. If you buy demographics, 
Because one thing you need to do is get in the subprime business. And I agree, but you also there is a digital component to TV that people are not measuring. You got to look at how that impacts your website traffic during the times <laughs> that your that your your campaigns are running. And what a great observation! You know, to, adver to advertise your your website as you know, as a side as a side note to the focus of right. your advertising. Yeah, but but demographics people don't realize with cable TV you can geofence a neighborhood. I mean, you can actually geofence a county. Yep. With, with cable TV, you don't have to buy the whole city. You can buy your area. And if you and you need to get into subprime because especially delinquencies are going up. Exactly. People have been out of work. I mean, there's going to be a lot more bad credit or poor credit than there ever was. So we, we need to start thinking about getting into subprime lining up the subprime lenders, um, getting a subprime mentality in the dealership and, and having merchandise that will suit subprime. You know, merchandise that is sub, subprime friendly, that that book books high and you can buy it low. Yeah. So sub, subprime, a lot of subprime customers out there, a lot, of, a lot of people that are going to have bad credit. We need to have the merchandise, the profitability and you need to advertise specifically for subprime. Let them you know, know like, right? That you're that, uh, yeah. Ma Ma the Maury show, any 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 judge show. <laughs> you're gonna find uh, subprime. Yeah. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, any judge. There you go. No, I, I totally agree, man. I think that there's a, that there's the you gotta be doing there's got there's a mix for both. I like the 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 demo um add-on there. I think that that's crucial. And, um, you know, let's not limit ourselves and let's combine those strategies too. let's make them omni channel to a certain degree so that the customer sees that on multiple on multiple channels. So, you dude, thank you so much, message. man. No, are we done? Are we done? No, no. I, I, I was going to say thank you for being on like three hours. Okay. No, th thank you so much for doing this. I, I, I do appreciate it. I wanted to kind of switch things up a little bit because I don't get guests like you often like with your with all the expertise and knowledge and i wanted to ask you some questions that are not that are more experience based maybe about and, and i kind of wrote them down because i don't want to forget but um is that okay do, do you mind yeah, jump jump right in there all right so one of the things that i wanted to ask you is um you obviously the the your your facebook page um I love it. Lots of great information. You know, I love the contra the controversies that go in there because it allows us to see both points, both ends. You know, of the what, I, you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing with the controversy. Yeah, but I I I, I think driving, we learned from I'm that. driving traffic to the content. Yeah, I think I think we learn from that, so I love it. And and sometimes you, I go into something thinking a certain way, and then because of the 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 back and forth there, I I kind of like, oh, okay, you know what? There's there's something there. So the, the the question that I wrote down was this: What is something that people that you would think that it, they misunderstand about you? Oh, what is something people misunderstand about me? Yes. Okay. Well, they you have discovered it, but people don't realize I'm an intellectual. Hmm. People don't realize because see, I created the Alpha Dog. Now I live 30 miles from University of Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs. God bless. But yeah, you know, you know the, the world champions. You know, I mean, yeah, we got the, the we got the 
the Braves and University of Georgia, number one. We just, we just won the World Series, and now we're number one in collegiate. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, and we're not talking about the Falcons at all. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, when I created the Alpha Dog, the Alpha Dog is a cartoon character. The Alpha Dog wears gold chains. Gold chains, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I has $100,000 on my left hand. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I didn't count my right hand. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm wearing a hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry on my left hand. I got the, the chains and the, the, the Cartier glasses and the, the 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 image. You know, the car salesman image. This is a cartoon character. I'm an intellectual. I mean, I have presidents of major corporations calling me for advice. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've written for the magazines for thirty. Uh, for 14 years with uh, Digital Dealer Magazine. And um, a lot of people don't know that about me. They, they, they take the cartoon and they think that really is me. Because, uh, folks, I'm just messing with you. It's all, it's all <laughs> part of the plan, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like sometimes yeah. those things are, are, are missed. Um, but strategy is a real thing, man. Like if you see something and you you kind of understand what the objective is, especially nowadays when you have all these platforms available, like, um, you know, building a personal brand or building a brand, not even a personal brand, just building a brand. Is, oh, is my it God. Herb, I've got 150,000 friends and followers on social media, and most of them are in the car business. Yeah. I've got several groups on on Facebook that are upwards of 14,000 people. Yep. And they're all in the car business. I mean, the most powerful people on earth are those people that influence the most other people. You yeah. Know? So money yeah, is sure. just measurement. And I don't need money. I don't need money. That, that's what differentiates me from a lot of people. In the people yeah. There I, you stopped, go. I stopped needing money 15 years ago. I got. I can't live as long as my money. Now I'm giving back. back now, right. now I'm creating a legacy. Now I'm helping people. If all the people I have helped, and the people I'm continuing to help, I've changed lives, and that that that's where I'm at. That's the other thing people don't know about me, because I don't. I I help people a lot of a lot. I do a lot of good things for a lot of people, but I try not to get caught doing it. <laughs> part of the image <laughs> well, the image images I'm, I'm egotistical which that is true you know I, I love me dearly you know I'm egotistical but I'm like Muhammad Ali I will knock him out right on man so what at this point 40 plus years in the car business mm -hmm. success on not just in the in the industry but post like trans transcended it to a certain degree right what makes you feel inspired now at this point? Okay, what makes me feel inspired? Well, well, the fact that I am influencing so many people, I'm, I'm teaching a, a college class at Northwood University. I mean, I'm teaching a class on how to become, that is a, a university that has a major in automotive. A lot of dealers, sons and daughters, and people that want to be general managers, I've got 25 kids. Uh, I say kids. Anybody under 50 is a kid. But anyway, 
I've got a, I've got a 25 young people in my class, men and women, and I'm teaching them how to be a general manager. And I'm, and I'm looking back. When I drove to Atlanta in 1982, I had my mattresses tied to the roof, and it was a, a buy here, pay here car. I was making weekly payments. Wow. My credit, my credit was so bad. And I mean, everything I owned was in that old beat up car, but it was a Lincoln Continental. It was 20, it was 70, 1973 model. And this was 1982 driving a 73 Continental, 25 feet long. Yeah. You, you couldn't see the hood ornament in the fog and I'm driving and I made the decision. I was going to be a success. I was a millionaire within five years. Wow. And the car business has given back to me and I'm giving back to the car business. I'm helping a lot of people. So that, that that's, that's what keeps I'm that's what keeps you going now. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't need the money. I have money. That's awesome. Now don't get me wrong. I will take money. I signed a $10,000 contract just before I came on the air. You know, I'm, I'm taking money. To, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like I agree with what you say. Like for, for me, the, the compensation is, has always been, I mean, it's, it's obviously your livelihood, but it's also, it's a grade like, you know, on, on, on the quality of your work and what the, the value that you bring. So I, I charge $10,000 a day plus first class travel. You know, I, uh, the alpha dog don't fly in the back of no planes. I, don't. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I look, I look in the back of the plane through the curtains and I see those right. people back there, seven rows across and groveling for peanuts and shit. I don't do that. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't even know what goes on back there. <laughs> Looks like a prison car back there. <laughs> so, so you mentioned the, the the university. I want to talk to you about that because I thought that was a pretty cool thing. I saw a post the other day that said that you were invited back to for another semester. Talk to me about them. And what's that experience like? Um, obviously, you enjoy it. Um, but what's your what's your objective with that? Well, my objective with that is is simply to teach because when, when you're in school, when you see an instructor at the front of the room and you wonder, can they really do it? There's a lot of people teaching the car business that couldn't do it if their whole damn miserable life depended on it. I mean, there, there's people teaching the car business that can't do the car business. Mm -hmm. So when, when I stand in front of that group or virtually now, they're, they're seeing what you're seeing here. Yeah. You know, when I stand in front of the a group and I'm teaching that class, they listen to me for 10 minutes and they know that I can do it. And that, that, that makes it valid. That makes it worthwhile. And I'm, I'm teaching things that I know will help these people. And when they get out in the dealerships. Right on. So uh, we talked about it earlier and I was in your resume and obviously just from, from the background of the, you know, following your content and stuff, but 15,000 plus dealers, um, multiple courses, multiple platforms. What is the one thing, if there is one thing that your programs um, have done for your clients that you didn't expect that it would do? Okay. I've always expected results. I have a reputation for growing dealerships to the big numbers. That's what I do. If your dealership's doing 500 units, I'll get you to a thousand and we'll do it quickly. Wow. And you know, you're doing 400 units. I'll take you to a thousand. You're doing 200. I'll take you to 600. I've done it over and over again. 
there, there, there's a formula, and the formula is act like you're already doing it. If you want to be at 600 units and you know you're capable of doing 600 units, you've already studied the demographics of the market. And I know I'm capable of doing 600 units. I have a competitor doing 600 units, but I'm doing 200 units. We can get you to 600 units in six months. And what surprised me when I first did it, when I started my company in 1986, when I left the retail end of the business and started Ziegler Super Systems, I thought that every losing dealership in the world would hire me. I thought the worst dealerships in the world, hey, we're going to hire Ziegler, we're going to get really... That didn't happen. The people that were already selling 400 units a month that were knocking the cover off the ball, those people hired me to get better. Losers, losers never hired me. Isn't that something? Wow. I mean, I've worked for some of the biggest, most well-known dealerships in the country, and I took them to bigger numbers. And, you know, back in the very beginning, I went into Westway Ford in Dallas, Texas. Joe Tig owned it at the time. Je Jeff Enright was the general manager. And that dealership was, was selling upwards of 400 units. And we took that dealership with my processes and their talent, we took that dealership to a thousand units month after month within six months. And then Van Tile bought that dealership and Van Tile doesn't hire consultants. So mm -hmm. I didn't. So I went over and worked with prestige Ford, their competition. And we got them right up to a thousand units a month within six months. Oh. Yeah. I, mean, oh. I, I got more war stories of dealerships. We've grown to the big numbers a long time ago and recently. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a, that's, you just blew my mind again, man. Like, isn't that something the stores that, that, that you would expect would be like calling you? They don't, they don't even see it, man. It's the stores that are already winning that want to win more. When I first and, started this company, I got a call. I, 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 I left the last three dealerships I left, I left because of pay cuts. The dealer wanted to re, re, revitalize my pay plan. That, <laughs> you know, how many times have I heard that speech? Well, we're going to yeah, take man, it out. Of, we're going to take it out of one pocket and put it in the other. Yeah, right. you are. In the other pockets. Or, the, or <laughs> you ever get that you're making too much money? You're making more money than the GM um, I, I, pay I, plan I, change? I had a GM tell me that. Stovall Nissan. And he said, well, you, you're making more money than I am, the general yeah, right. manager. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll switch positions on your paper and I'll still make more money. Than yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, so at that point, I said, would you be polite enough to give me a ride home? <laughs> so I went and got I got my salesman super, you know, salesman Samsonite, two cardboard Valvoline boxes. <laughs> salesman, salesman Samsonite, cardboard box. Yeah. So I went and got my cardboard box and I came home and told my wife, I'm starting a company. I'm going to start a consulting company. 1986. She said, who else is doing this? I said, nobody. I'm nobody. Creating, I'm creating <laughs> it. And I did. I created the whole consulting industry. For, nobody had done it before I did it. 
That's know, awesome. And I flew right, up right. to I flew to Detroit and I heard that Jesse Jackson and Ford Motor Company had made a, an agreement that they would have 300 minority African American owned dealerships. So Ford had made an agreement with the Rainbow Coalition to have 300 black dealerships, <clears throat> black owned. And I came back with a million dollar contract. Oof. First year in business. And I was, most of it came from Ford. I was getting, um, I was, I was the spokesperson for Ford ESP service contracts. I was consulting the minority dealers program. I was doing a private FNI school for Ford all over the country. And Ford was, was supplying the students. So those three, those three agreements with Ford total more than a million dollars my first year. That's incredible. And that's how we, we started Ziegler Super Systems. Wow. And, and you know, it was, it was amazing because I spoke at NADA conventions and the first one I spoke at was 1987. And I was speaking on F&I and then I became, F&I actually had me going around the country teaching F&I schools for NADA. So business just exploded for me. How much of it do you think, I mean, I hope you don't take this question the, the wrong the wrong way, but how much of it do you think was just the timing of doing it? Obviously, you you know your stuff. There's no question there. But how much do you think it was timing and how much do you think of it was just, you know, having that connection, luck, whatever you want to call it? No, it was me. It was me. Um, yeah. And I say that there's that ego of mine. I'm the best there. I'm the best there is in what I do. Yeah. I, I am the very best there is at what I do. I mean, I'm not one of the best. I'm, I'm the very best. I used to listen to that, that wrestler, uh, Bret Hart. I'm the best there ever was, ever will be. Will be. And, <laughs> you know, he, you know, <laughs> I, you know I, I'm right there. I'm, I'm the best there is at what I do. I'm a master closer. I, I, I technically know the car business. You, you see... I gotta say, I became a student of the car business, or mm -hmm. a student of the car business, as surely as if I was studying for a master's degree in any other profession. I'm teaching F&I courses, F&I director courses, general manager courses at Northwood University, for heaven's sake. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and it was me because a, a lot of people would would have liked to have got that minority contract. But there was one or two other people that, that got a contract similar to what I had, but it wasn't my contract. Yeah. So here's a, here's a probably the cheesy question that you get all the time. But if you could go back, right, and talk to your former self, then that, you know, when you were making that trip and the, the mattress on top of the car and, you know, knowing everything that you've accomplished what piece of advice would you give him? What would I give myself? Yeah. Um, I should have hired Grant Cardone. Right on. Did you have the opportunity to do it in past or? No, 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 no. I, I, I admire Grant Cardone. I, yeah. I no, mean, he's um, yeah, you know, he, 
you know, he and I were competitors for years and we went in different directions, but yeah. um, you see, I have no envy. You know, I don't own a jet. You know, everybody's somewhere on the ladder of success, you know, sure. If, yeah. if, you, if you measure that by money, Grant won, you know, and um, I have no envy. I am congratulating people that do better than I do. I'll find it. I don't care. I mean, I don't want anything you have. I might want something like what you have, but I don't want yours. Right. You know, so I mean, I will help you and I will cheer for you and I will applaud you. When, I, when I'm teaching a class, I want the people I'm teaching to be better than I was. I want them to enjoy a better lifestyle than I do. I want, yeah, I don't care to conquer somebody else. That's not what I'm all about. Right. Your Grant Cardone, I admire Grant. And I mean, God bless him, you know, but um, I'm where I am and I've helped a lot of people and I'll continue to. Right. So that leads, that brings me to my last uh, kind of uh, off the industry question, so to speak. But mm -hmm. at this point, right, I mean, What's you, we talked about it. You mentioned it earlier. You said the word legacy. What what do you want that to be for you? What's your legacy that you want to leave? Well, I think I'm, I'm building that legacy. I was talking to um, uh, Chris Baker, Benton Baker dealerships. Now, uh, Benton Baker dealerships are the fastest growing company in the country right now. They bought 23 dealerships almost overnight. I talked to Kristen Dillard at the team dealerships. I, I talked to um, Tracy Myers, and, you know, the mega used car dealer. Hmm. And I look at people, I'm talking to Chris Baker and Chris Baker says, do you remember me? I said, well, that, I meet a lot of people and he said, 25 years ago, when you were consulting Berger Chevrolet in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Berger Chevrolet was one of those success stories, 200 to, we went up to 500 units a month in those days. I don't think they're doing that right now. But we went from 200 to 500 units overnight. Matter of fact, one of my protégés in that dealership was Todd Wenzel, who is a mega dealer today. He was an employee. He was an FNI manager. I trained him. But Chris Baker said to me, he said, I was a brand new car salesman walking in the door when you started training and consulting that dealership. And then I'm talking to Tracy Myers. And Tracy Myers said, Jim, do you remember me? I said, well, help me out. He said, he said when I was at Atlanta Toyota years ago, I was in a conference room. And I said, oh, I remember you. He said, yeah. He said, I was really depressed and dejected. And I was getting, I was going to quit the dealership and get out of the car business. And you sat down and talked to me and told me I had to stay in the business. You helped me out. You motivated me to stay in the business. And today I'm a mega dealer. You know, I've got more stories like that. People that I trained early on that are now general managers, dealer principals, people that I trained from salesperson up all the way through management. 
that's that's the legacy and i'm still doing that now i'm yeah. doing it with the college classes you know De debbie my wife and i we did 25 internet battle plans four sales manager super conferences you know we're, we're getting 250 people 20 speakers 20 sponsors and i had cancer two years ago in 2019 i no. i went through esophageal cancer i almost died three times and um yeah I, I was laying on a table and i heard a doctor say hurry up we're losing him you know <clears throat> so you know i, I, I lost 100 pounds people remember i used to be a lot bigger mm -hmm. you know I, I was lifting a lot of heavy weights when i was young you know i, I bench pressed 450 most of my adult life whoa yeah yeah so you know so i lost 100 pounds with the cancer but um we stopped doing the conferences now i'm doing the the online video uh training. virtual yeah virtual training. that was i signed a contract just before we got on on air for a sponsor for that and so it's shifted into the virtual world I'm, I'm i'm making my living with a webcam now yeah man i can't tell you how how awesome this has been for me like um you know i'm sure you know that you that your content reaches a lot of folks and 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 yeah i'm one of the people that consume it and it's helped me in my career and just to have the opportunity to talk to you here it's been it's it's amazing you know like i can't think of you know like uh, right now i can't think of a better person that, to, to have this conversation <laughs> with to, to have on the show like it's just you know i get a little emotional just just saying it because it's been like uh yeah man it's been you know it's, You've, you've well, been one of one of those influential people. So, have me back sometime if if I can help you. I'm here for you. Awesome, man! Thank you so much. Thanks for everything that you do for the industry. Um, there is one question that I ask everybody that comes on the show, and that question is: Where do you see the automotive industry headed in the next five years, and why? Oh, that's easy. Electric. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the best answer to that question i've ever gotten that's awesome yeah. <laughs> all right i don't think it's gonna get any better than that folks mr sigler thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it i you know i hope that um, people that tune in get get all the value from it and you know thanks for everything that you do for for us for the industry Thank you. Appreciate you so much, sir. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. That is all the time that we have for today. Uh, 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 some new content's coming out soon. Remember, we still got a couple episodes left for season six. So we're going to be dropping those every Tuesday. Make sure to tune in. Thanks again. That's it. All we have. And as usual, we'll talk later. We only host the well-respected. The vendor Lexus Nexus. We don't sell digital marketing. What you do? We inspected with our DT vendor management. Now more than ever, businesses need more efficient sales. That's why thousands of dealerships trust Four Eyes to help with things like automated inventory email updates and ensuring all of your leads get into the CRM. To try Four Eyes for free, visit foureyes.io slash dealer talk. That's foureyes.io slash dealer talk.